Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? Well, I'd be fine if I could tell time. <laughs> I have time problems these days. <laughs> We're, are we struggling with, um, do we need to go I'm back? struggling seasonally, I think, would oh. be a good way to put it. Not so much with like, you know, hours on the clock, but so much with seasons. So we, we need to go back to, you know, maybe, you know, kindergarten or first grade where we where were we learning the seasons, seasons and, and we learned to put, we learned to put <laughs> podcast episodes out in order of the seasons. Yes, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, so listeners, listeners. Yeah. Okay. Go uh, ahead, Augie. So um, uh, you are about ready. You're about to uh, listen to um, or read the transcript for a podcast episode that we recorded um, a couple of months ago. And our intention was to have uh, a summer of favorites um, where each episode would uh, be a discussion of some of our favorite things related to government and politics. Um, and they weren't our normal fare of government documents or political events. Yeah, or facts. They weren't facts. <laughs> Okay. They were pretty much fact free in Good. most instances in terms of how but, the government runs or yeah. based in government documents, which is generally what we do. Yes. And our intention was to record a number of these episodes and then release them during the summer. Um, uh, and for a get to know you kind of summer. This yeah. Is sort of our summer of favorites so that you could get to know us. Yeah, a little mm -hmm. more personally of what we think of when we think of favorites. Yes, and but and, like all good plans. Yeah, uh, you know uh, uh, what is it? The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray, right? Yeah. And in this instance, one of us is a man and one of us is a mouse. <laughs> what is that? Is, uh, uh, is that a? I didn't uh, want to take away your manhood by saying we were mice. We're both mice. Okay. The the quote though is from Dickens, right? Right. Okay. Um, anyways, so <laughs> we were about you know we recorded these episodes. Our intention was to go ahead and release them during the summer. However, um, we received a bunch of emails. Okay, from faithful listeners. Um, who wanted to know um, if or and or when we were going to have podcast episodes about the recently completed Supreme Court term that finished up the last week of June. The recently non-controversial, completely boring, nothing else happened in, in, in the whole thing, U.S. Supreme Court yes. term. That's so, the one you mean, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, the United States Supreme yeah. Court. Several of our readers slash listeners were on fire, basically. Yeah, they were yes. like, oh, my gosh, you have to address this. Yes. So yeah. what we did, listeners, is um, we scrapped our summer of favorites, um, but we didn't scrap it. We just delayed release of those episodes. So what follows is one of those episodes. Thank you for your patience for us with our timing and once um, we're through our fall of favorites yes we'll we, come back with regularly scheduled episodes of normalness yes where we focus on government documents government processes okay things in the news okay yep. um but uh we facts uh, and figures and all the things that are true yes instead of all the things that are our opinions which may or may not be true <laughs> 
Thanks, Augie. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, uh, because in part, listeners, um, uh, I've been thinking about um, where I store my extra money. <laughs> where you store your extra money? Yes. You know what? I have a suggestion for you. What? What's that? I think you should put it in the freezer. <laughs> Actually, there is this old adage about, or, you know, old thing about freezing your credit cards so that you don't use them as much. But that's not quite what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, in, in the expression cold hard cash takes this, on a different meaning in, when when you've been storing your ill-gotten booty, okay, in the freezer. In the freezer. So today we're talking about political scandals. And we, we're doing this summer of favorites. I technically these probably aren't favorites so much as like we favor them so much as they are things that make us that that had us sort of amused or bemused by the facts of the by the facts of each case yes right okay uh here here's a word for 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 our younger listeners okay chutzpah the sheer sheer chutzpah okay um, that some of these politicians um, uh, exhibited, okay, um, in various scenarios that they found themselves or that they created, okay. And this um, time we're going to take turns. Like yes. usually we've done block of Nia or block of Augie, and this time we're going to take turns. So I'm going first, and then Augie will, will yeah. come in. Um, and my first is what Augie's referencing: cold hard cash. Um, <laughs> I love this scandal because I was like, it was where? Um, Louisiana Congressman William J. Jefferson. Yes. Um, the FBI taped him selling bribes um, to American businesses that wanted to work within African countries. So he, he was on committees that allowed him to have access to African nations and countries that were like, hey, we'd like to do business there. He's like, well, it's gonna cost you. Yes. Um, and to the tune of $90,000 yes. that they found in his freezer. <laughs> and, and the thing about that is, one of the things about that is, that is a really hard thing to explain if you are not a corrupt individual. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, your average, your average non-corrupt politician probably does not have ninety thousand dollars sitting in their freezer in a box marked pies. And that's she's just, and she's not making that up, listeners. That is that, what that is where, where it was. Yeah, that's where the money was located in a huge box labeled pies in the freezer, like in the freezer, dude. Um, so. He 
So in 2009, he's tried on um, uh, federal corruption charges, and he's found guilty of 11 of 16 counts, but then, and he's certain, certain sentenced to 13 years, um, which is the longest sentence given to a congressman for bribery or any other crime. But then in 2017, a whole bunch of the of this stuff was thrown out. Yes. So he only, he only ends up uh, actually after a case that we know here well in Virginia, McDonald v. the U.S. Yes. Which was about the governor of, of Governor McDonald of Virginia taking whether he took bribes or not, and so they they threw out his um, his his Conviction. convictions, and he was done with time served at five and a half years. Now, I, as far as I can find, could not tell what happened to the money. So I don't know if he got to keep the money. I don't no. know if no, he... no, 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 no. That um, okay. uh, even when it can get conviction gets overturned, uh, that money. I uh, think be... he's applying to get it back, though. Oh, that I think he's applying <laughs> to get it back. I think that's yeah. where. So that's where my confusion is. Is I'm not sure where it is now yes. in the court system, but I think he's like, hey, you took my money falsely because look all my convictions were overturned. I'm not bad at all. Give me back my $90,000 so I can put it back in the freezer. See, like, that's, see that's the important distinction. When people say, okay, um, I'm not guilty when their conviction gets overturned. No, your conviction got overturned. It doesn't mean that you are innocent. <laughs> not guilty. That's correct. <laughs> okay. It has nothing to do with whether you were guilty or not. That's right. <laughs> That's because, a fair you know, point. Because what the Supreme Court said in McDonald versus United States was that federal prosecutors, okay, were using a law that they probably should not be using to go after corruption in government, okay? Right. Um, um, but that doesn't mean- Which is not the same thing as McDonald is, was innocent. Yeah. And it's or, not the same thing as, as Congressman Jefferson. Jefferson was, was yeah. Okay. He was clearly not innocent. Yeah, there's a, and there's also these weird things in the law about being guilty versus being, um, or sorry, uh, being acquitted versus being found not guilty. Guilty, yes. Also, two different meanings. Yes, and yes. two very different Scrabble board words. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's my first skin. What's your first skin? Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be predictable here, Nia. Um, but for me, this is will always be the gold standard, said tongue in cheek listeners, the gold standard of American political scandals. And that is the Watergate scandal. Oh, of the you're early going 1970s. Go big or go home, Augie. <laughs> okay. You're such uh, a baseball player. Yes, right. You're swing for the fence. Yeah, I'm going to swing for the fence. Okay, and, and that is the big one, at least for our generation. Uh, yeah, we should, by the way, pause here for a moment and say, scandals are generational, right? Yes. They affect yeah. different generations in different ways. We didn't dig back all the way to Washington, who I feel so, actually who did have the scandal of, uh, in his early days, Washington sent bills for his parties to <laughs> Congress to pay. Yes. And eventually they were like, man, we need to give this guy a salary because he's costing us a lot of money. Well, yes. Like it was a whole thing for Washington. Yeah, it, so so there's it, a scandal, like there are regularly scandals generationally. Yeah, because we're going to mention, uh, uh, there's going to be an honorable mention. 
okay, um, which you have at the end of your list, which is very generational for um, uh, millennials and Gen Z, whereas for you and me, okay, in our generation, we're just kind of sort of like, okay, this pales in comparison to what some of our politicians did, right? Right. Okay. Right. But for me, Watergate is always uh, um, been significant. And okay. it's the one everybody measures by, okay. it, modernly. Mod yes. Like, yeah, because since it happened, right, since since the 70s, because Watergate has been sort of the, oh, well, it's like Watergate. And it's why everything call is called something gate. Yeah, and, and, and for me, because it led to President Nixon resigning from office, which is heretofore the only time that has happened. I like right? how you say up until now, the, yeah. as of this recording. Yeah, right? Because who knows, but yeah. So for those of you who don't know the background, real briefly, uh, five men who had been hired by the Committee to Re-Elect the President, uh, the acronym was CREEP, um, right. I, I kid you not. That was right. Actually, that was on their letterhead. That was yeah. That was on the letterhead, right? Um, they were. You know, it's bad when your group is called creep. Creep, right? <laughs> they were caught breaking into the Democratic National Committee's headquarters in the Washington D.C. Watergate Hotel and Office Complex on June seventeenth, nineteen seventy-two. Hence, Watergate. Yes. It's okay. shortened to Watergate because of where it happened. Happened, yes. The trail of who knew what, okay, eventually led to the Nixon administration because there were tape recordings that he had of conversations in the Oval Office where he was clearly orchestrating the cover-up after they got arrested. And it should be noted, these were five men caught breaking back into yes. the Democratic National Committee because they had already done it like one or two times, times before. before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, um, as we will discuss another podcast, um, this led to uh, Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. Um, uh, 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 See note our favorite movies. Yes, um, um, uh, all the president's men. Uh, they wrote a book uh, detailing how uh, they kind of sort of broke the case. Um, uh, they had an informant um, that we later now, or we now know, was the FBI Deputy Director Mark Felt, who they labeled Deep Throat okay. after a. After a pornography movie of yes. the same name that was popular at the time. <laughs> time, yes. Um, and but aside um, from that silliness, like it, 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 this probe exploded. Right, it wasn't just the yeah. two of them. It was also on the on the government side. Yes, um, and I mean the the cast of characters were were numerous, right? Um, from the you know. Uh, 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 oh, and it goes from the break-in to the night of what it, the midnight. Uh, what is it? Oh, the, the Saturday Night Massacre. The Saturday and, Night Massacre, when a bunch of people got fired because they wouldn't fire other people. Like yes, okay. It, I mean, 
Yeah, there there it, was it, a it explode. It it would have been one thing if it had just been a break in and the president tried to cover the break in. That probably would have gone away, don't you think? Well, I mean, it, it, because again, Nixon was so hands on, a paranoid. Okay, that instead of creating distance between himself and his reelection committee, which, by the way. In one of the great historical footnotes of Watergate, he did not need to break into the Democratic National Committee. He, he won by a landslide. Slide. He absolutely slaughtered McGovern right. in the 1972 election. He didn't need and, to feel any kind of paranoia whatsoever. I mean, when we're talking numbers, he it was not even remotely close. No, right? But, you know, that was Nixon, okay? Right. Um, <laughs> And now, he thought everybody was out to get him. And by and the eventually way, eventually he was right, but not at the beginning. In listeners, the timeline for this is two years. The Watergate break in was June 17th, 1972. On August 9th, 1974, Nixon stepped down because Republican members of Congress came to the White House and basically told the president if he did not resign, one, there was enough support in the Congress, in the House for articles of impeachment. And then two, there were enough Republicans in the Senate who would be willing to vote him guilty in an impeachment trial. So um uh, he steps down. Um, nearly a dozen of Nixon's advisors and sycophants received prison terms. Nixon Early was went to prison. Dean went to prison. I mean, yeah, a whole bunch of them went to prison. Um, Nixon was pardoned by his successor, okay, Gerald Ford. Controversially, yes, is there were people in the there were people who didn't want him to be pardoned, but. Ford's reasoning was, we need to move on. Yes. We need, we need to move on for this, from this. We need to put this to bed. Yes. I'm going to just, you know, and he will slink away quietly into private life, which he did. In fairness to Nixon, he did not try no. to stay in the public eye. He didn't do public speeches very often. He didn't. No. He, he quietly went back to California. California was, that's right. San Clemente. Yeah. was not heard from. Uh, much again until he passed. But for me as a political scientist, oh. um, most of my, if you will, profession traces the American lack of trust in government institutions to this scandal and the Vietnam War, which, by the way, both occurred in roughly, you know, the same 10-year period, end right. of the 60s, you know, the first four years of the 1970s, okay, um, where our leaders and our institutions let us down, okay? And lied. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. his famous, I'm not a crook. Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose it depends on how one defines crooks. You know, and, you know, couple that with LBJ saying over and over again, we're winning the war. Right. Really, Mr. President? Well, and using the Gulf of Tonkin incident to get us further in. And yeah. So, so I mean, but that, the, the, yeah, the, for me, this is the quote unquote, okay, said 
quite sarcastically, the gold standard of the, American political scandals. It is the quintessential, I think. Although yes. you've got a couple of other good ones. Okay, um, but, I would argue that that my next one is also a point of distrust and discontent, but on a more personal level. Yes. So Chappaquiddick. Um, Chappaquiddick is a the Chappaquiddick Bridge <laughs> is where this incident took place. So sort of okay, Ted Kennedy was the youngest of a bunch of brothers who were all um, uh, Joe and Rosemary Kennedy had uh, I don't know something like 400 children and um, <clears throat> and they had a bunch of boys and he wanted his children, his boys, he wanted one of them to be president. Well, his oldest son, Joe, was killed in the in World War II, flying, um, he was a pilot, and he died. So then that moved down to JFK, who was, um, who did become president, but was killed, <coughs> excuse me. And then and was Bobby, and Bobby gets assassinated in the run-up to the 1968 presidential election. So the apparent heir to the Kennedy political, if you will, dynasty becomes the youngest boy. Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. Um, yep. So, and in 1969, right? So this is, <clears throat> this is after the death of his brother, Bobby. Yes. And there's the implication that he will, well, no, he was grooming to run for president. So 1969, he's leaving a party. He's with a, a young lady named Mary Jo Kopechny, who was um, a secretary or volunteer with the committee. I'm a little unclear on her, her yeah, actual was, role, but she was she was part of the political. Yeah, he was, uh, a, what was it, uh, gearing up to run for Senate uh, uh, to represent uh, Massachusetts in the United States Senate. And she was a part of the campaign, right? I, I'm yes, pretty sure. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yep. So they're driving home from this party when. And mind you, he's already married, so he's driving. He's home. very married. He's, he's driving home married. late at night. Okay, with with a, a, with a lovely young woman. Yes. Okay. Alone in the car. Who's um, not his wife? <laughs> who is not his wife, and there is no reason to believe that Mary Jo Kopechny was doing anything. No. Sketchy, but they're from his womanizing and by the way ted kennedy known philanderer and womanizer yes he might have been trying to make time with her right he might have been trying to get her to be interested or who knows we don't know we don't know what happened what we do know is that he drove off that bridge yeah <clears throat> the car ends up in the water he says he tried to he went back to try to save her a couple of times and could not get her out of the car. That's what he says happened. Yes. And he says that he went home, he made a few phone calls, and the next morning he called the police and told them where the car was and where she was and, and all that other sort of stuff. Now, the other version of that is he skedaddled as quickly as he could because he didn't want to be found in a car with a woman not his wife and and he didn't 
and he didn't save her. Either way, he did not save her from the car. That's right. And either way, it was 11 hours before he reported it to the police. Yes. So no one else could save her from the car either. And it destroyed his presidential chances. He Massachusetts still continued to elect him. Yeah, until he died. As a senator, until he died. Yeah. Um, He was beloved there, but he was not beloved anywhere else. Every time he tried to do anything on a national level, people would say, hey, aren't you that guy that killed that girl in the car? Right? Like, it was, it destroyed his ability to to run for president of the United States, which, if you can't tell by my tone, I'm okay with. Because he left her in that car and went home and called advisors before he called the police. He yes. called a lawyer. Yes. The first thing he did was lawyer up, and then he called the police to tell them about the accident. So if she had survived, there there was no one who could have helped her. Yes. Or saved her life. Yeah. And um, and I consider Ted Kennedy to have gotten away with murder, or at least manslaughter. Yeah, and, 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 and manslaughter. yeah, I mean, and 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 that was always. Um, I mean, this is part of, you know, a theme in many of these scandals um, uh, that you have very prominent men in positions of government authority who think that they can get away with things that the rest of us, for most of our days, don't believe we can get get away with, right? Right. Okay. Um, And... um, and, and then you talk about, for instance, um, you know, uh, the Kennedy clan, okay, um, that, um, you know, he engaged in behavior to go ahead and protect his name and potentially his future in politics right. at the expense, okay, of the life of of Mary Jo. And the right? dignity, leaving yeah. her there, even if she had died in the accident. Leaving her there for multiple hours. I mean, and what he pled to was a charge of leaving the scene of an accident. And he got a two year, excuse me, a two month, two month suspended jail sentence. Yes. He never did any time. Nope. And he was never Um, disqualified for running for elected office again. Right. Um, And he said that his, he said about himself, my conduct, my conduct that day makes no sense to me now. I'm like, really? <laughs> you were CYA. That's what you were doing. Um, there was a there was a grand jury that was um, uh, that was convened to see if he would be indicted, and he in uh, in 1970, and he was not indicted. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean it, it, uh, oh, he did get his license revoked for 16 months. Ooh, <laughs> right. So. I I'm a I have bitterness about it in some ways because I think what it is an example of is as you said powerful men getting away with yes with with covering themselves and doing pretty much what they want which my third example is also one of those but we're going to go to Augie's next instead <laughs> so, which is again about powerful men who make bad choices yes you you have a you're like. Mm, these people need to learn to pick their friends better. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the theme of your scandal. The theme <laughs> of your scandals. The theme of my scandals is powerful men acting badly um, on a personal gain level, and yours is powerful men choosing bad friends. Yes. I mean, because let's face it, Nixon's uh, 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 re-election committee. Right. He, he, he chose poorly with the friend group that he surrounded himself well, with. Well, I mean, you know, what What, what was it? The, the one description in one of the first Washington Post articles was this was a third-rate burglary. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, really? Yeah, hang around with third-rate criminals. So, right. yeah. But my next one is the infamous Teapot Dome scandal. This occurred in the early 1920s during the administration of Warren G. Harding, okay, um, who by all accounts was apparently a very nice guy. Um, he um, also, by the way, um, there were numerous allegations of him running around on his wife. But I don't, I'm starting to think that that is the rarity that of powerful men who do not run around, around on their wife. <laughs> yes. That is more the unusual than the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Um, but but, then, but that's really, not the scandal, right? Yeah, the, the problem he, he had was he didn't know how to pick his friends. So um, he was, before he was president, uh, a well-known politician in the fine state of Ohio. And when he got elected president, Okay, the newspaper started referring to him filling up a lot of his cabinet positions with members of the Ohio gang, okay, who basically went ahead and hitched their political wagons to his star, right? Okay. So he becomes president. <laughs> And uh, almost immediately, his attorney general, uh, Harry Doherty, uh, gets accused of selling government supplies of alcohol during Prohibition. <laughs> but that's not well, the, somebody's got to do it. But that's not the teapot dome, okay? And by the way, another one of his cabinet officials, Charles Forbes, who was head of the Veterans Bureau, was convicted of bribery and corruption. But the teapot dome was engineered by his Secretary of Interior, Albert B. Fall. Okay, so as the Secretary of the Interior, as we discussed in a previous podcast episode, okay, the Department of the Interior manages all of the federal government's property. And some of this property, okay, has rich, plentiful, okay, um, sources of of you know uh, of of oil of minerals etc right like natural resources yeah natural resources right two large oil reserves which were on federal property elk hills california and then the infamous teapot dome near casper wyoming had been preserved or reserved for the energy needs of the united states navy you know, post-World War I, we're slowly moving into a more prominent global, you know, role for the country, okay? So, <laughs> Paul persuaded Harding to transfer control of the reserves from the Navy to the Department of the Interior. And then in 1921 and 1922, 
without getting competitive bids. The Secretary of the Interior Fall leased Elk Hills to oral, uh, an oil uh, tycoon, okay, Edward uh, Doheny, and the teapot dome to Harry Sinclair of Mammoth Oil. Without competitive bids. Right. Okay. That's the key here. Yeah. It's not who you lease it to, it's that you lease it to your friends. Yes. Instead of putting it out for bid. And briefly, that's what the government, when the government has any big contract that's out there in the world and it's over a certain amount of money, I can't remember how much it is, but it's not a huge amount of money. You have to put things like at the at the state level, if you want to build a building, you have to put that out for bid. And then a whole bunch of local construction companies put in their bids and say, I can build the new library for, you know, $80 million. I can build it for 70 million. I can build it for whatever. And you look through all their plans and you pick one. That's the theoretically how the process is supposed to work. Yeah, it's supposed to promote accountability. And, and instead, he called Augie and said, hey, Augie, you want to build a library for the state? And Augie said, sure, I can do that. <laughs> Even though I have absolutely no experience whatsoever, right? <laughs> In this particular case, um, uh, Congress gets a whiff of this and starts doing some investigations. And it was revealed that Secretary Fall received, okay, as much as $400,000 in payments and loans. I'm just That's saying a, that would be hard to fit in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> to facilitate the leases, okay? Um, to, to, I like facilitate, facilitate. Yes. With, your, with, your, with little air quotes. With air quotes. You know, what, what he did was hand them over. Yes, right? Okay. And 400K, considering how much money those guys made off of those oil fields, for them, yes. that is the price of doing business. That's nothing. Yes. But right. I mean, comparatively, like, like these days, a lot of corporations are like, oh, the fine might be $5 million, but we're going to make $8 billion. Okay, pay the fine. Yeah. By so the for way. them, $400,000 was probably nothing. By the way, his bribes and loans, okay, totaled four hundred thousand dollars in nineteen twenty-one. Today, it would be the equivalent of over six million seven hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, but six million to two oil companies was is probably nothing. If you said to Shell. That you were going to find you $6 million, Shell would be like, here, let me shake the couch and get out some coins and pay you. Like, and, and, and moreover, they would go ahead and write it off as an expense of right. their taxes, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. Paul was uh, convicted of accepting bribes, uh, and he became, in our country's history, the first sitting cabinet member to be imprisoned, okay? Harding was never personally implicated. Okay, but the stress of all the scandals in his administration <laughs> took a toll, and he died in office. <laughs> well, and I mean, I feel bad for him, right? Because you're right; he chose friends badly. Oh, poorly, yes. And and, and I'm sure he was embarrassed. Yeah, 
And I'm sure that every time he went out, reporters asked him about it, yes. right? Like the, when we talk about the stress level of being president, it's already stressful to be president. And then if every time you show up, they're saying, what about this, sir? What about this? What about this? What about this? You, I would imagine just collapse in, in a heap. Well, of, I mean, in, in, please in leave me alone about this. Okay, the teapot dome uh, scandal was like, you know, one of, you know. <laughs> a of a bunch in his. Yeah, life. right. I mean, come on now, right? Right. But good Lord, I mean, it, 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 you know, I mean, just think about the, if some, the, some politician today took six million dollars. Well, I mean, and think about all the, the predicate steps, right? You first had to go ahead and get the 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 oral reserves transferred from the Navy. Right. He had to plan for this. Yeah, to the Department of the Interior. Yeah, it's not like it was a crime of, um, oh, well, it's here. I'm just going to take it. It was, I'm going to engineer this. Yeah, this wasn't, you know, a discretionary judgment call, right? Right. I mean, you, I mean. Oops, I, you know. You know, I I, I didn't take into account this particular variable. No, he took into account a lot of very variables. All the variables (laughs) except getting caught. Yes, right. That's the one he didn't take it to. Yeah, which, which, you know, for for a lot of convicted criminals, you know, the, the, that's the thing that you know snags them, right? That's the one. Okay. Yep. Um, so uh, you have a, a, a third one, okay? And then, by the way, we still have an honorable mention, okay? But the, but the third one again, um, uh, uh, Nia is you know yet another example of a very powerful. Um, a member of our federal government um, uh, who, I mean, the the sheer hypocrisy. Right. That's what gets me about this. That's what makes me angry about it. Yes. Um, So Strom Thurmond was a uh, a senator from South Carolina. Yes. And Strom Thurmond lived to be approximately 965 years old. He (laughs) he, actually, he lived to be 100. He was... um, very long lived and very long serving. I don't know if he's the longest serving senator, but he was pretty close. That that's probably actually Grassley now. But um, but anyway, uh, Strom Thurmond was a segregationist. He was very much a black people and white people should not be. And by segregation in the South, that doesn't take into account any other um, uh, folks of color. It's basically black and white in the South when you're talking segregation. And he wanted them separated, separate schools, separate everything. He was that way his whole life, like up to the end of his life. And the reason I'm saying that with such emphasis is because Strom Thurmond, when he was 22 years old, had an affair with a domestic servant in his parents' house, 16-year-old African-American girl Mm-hmm. named Carrie Butler, and with her, he had a child. Now, Strom Thurmond was not married at the time, so I will hand him that he was not yes. having an affair, right? He wasn't screwing around on his wife. I don't know whether he did la- whether he did that later or not, and that's not what the scandal is about. What the scandal is about is so he has this child with this woman, Carrie Butler, who's 16, right? He's 22, she's 16, which anybody counting, by the way, that's statutory rape, but that's neither here nor there. They had what is by accounts a consensual affair, yeah. affair mm-hmm. which results in a child. Essie Mae Washington Williams. Yep. 
um, Essie Mae was then given to her aunt to raise. Yes. And was not told who her parents were. Correct. Until um, 1938, when she, when her mother came to visit and explained that she was her mother and who her father was. Correct. Essie Mae held that secret until Strom Thurmond died. She didn't come out with it until she was 78. Shortly after he died, she came out and said, oh, and by the way, I'm Strom Thurmond's daughter. Yes. And a, a good note from the family is they updated his, his headstone. His headstone used to say, and his four children survive you know or proud of his i can't remember something about proud of his four children and they scraped that out and put five and added her name there so they recognized her as strom thurman's daughter because she because she is uh, or was she's um she's deceased but but that <laughs> the sheer dripping hypocrisy yes. of wanting to wanting to keep people separate and the whole idea of separate but equal except it was never equal and then and and having a child of mixed race i don't know how he slept at night I, I, it, well i mean in, in that's in your kin that is your dirt now he did pay for her to go to college well he and it also reflects quietly pay for her to go to how college. many differences than what we see today so you know from what i've read um journalists in south carolina either had suspicions or knew for years, but never right. reported it. Right. Okay. They never reported it. Okay. And they kept, they kept, they kept the whole thing, not secret, but I would say private. And part of that has to do with her privacy, right? Part sure. of that has to do with, with um, Ms. Washington Williams and her not being sort of uh, quote outed as it were. But she lived in South Carolina, I believe, her whole life. I don't think she went away to college, and he yeah. paid for college. He, he did pay for her college, and she was a social worker. Yeah, but, and she had a and she had a storied career, I believe, in social work. Like she did awesome, cool things, and did it without his help. So go her, right? Like she yeah. didn't she didn't rely on him to open doors for her or anything like that. But it, it's such a uh, appalling and at the time that we found out about it which was in the early 2000s late late 1990s early 2000s was when she yeah, announced um because yeah, he died in 2003 it, right so it was and, 2003 2004 that she yeah yeah that she announced um you know but Oh, right. It says the father of five children instead of the father of four. They yeah. fixed his headstone and they added her. Mm -hmm. No, so, but, but I mean, you know. Uh, so at least the family has done the right thing. Yeah. Right, and, by and, you treating know, her as an equal and being respectful. And again, you know, uh, listeners, to Nia's point, um, and, you know, Nia, you weren't engaged in hyperbole. Um, uh you know, this is, you know, Strom Thurmond uh, was a governor from South Carolina from 1947 to 1951. 
Um, then he was a senator for 48 years. Um, he was a member of the Democratic Party. And mind you, he was a Southern Democrat. Right. Okay. Which would make him a Republican now. Yeah. Um, uh, until 1964, uh, when he switched parties and became a Republican. Um, but, you know, uh, throughout the 50, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, he was quite clearly a segregationist. Um, um, he claimed he wasn't racist, that he was a supporter of states' rights, and he didn't like federal authority. But the end result was, um, you know, he was advocating for policies. Um, where, you know, white and black people were not supposed to intermingle, even though quite obviously he had already intermingled in his own personal life. And understood okay. and understood the love and attraction that can be that can happen between Across, you know, two people of different races. races. That's right. Yep. And can produce a lovely child that does well in the world. Like it's yes. such a weird it's so weird to me. He had the perfect example yes. in his daughter of, of this going well. Mm -hmm. And yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. so that's my, uh, that's my third biggie. I have a couple of little ones we're going to bring up at, at the end when Augie finishes with his. But my third one. Um, and, 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 uh, I, I just love the, 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 the title, the whiskey ring scandal. <laughs> Is this another one where people pick friends badly? Oh, very, very poorly. That's what I thought. Your whole theme is sort of like, dude, yeah. that guy is not your friend. This one occurred during the presidential administration of Ulysses S. Grant, the well-known, prominent Civil War general on the Union side, okay? And again, by all accounts, okay? Um, Stand-up uh, guy. He was, yeah, he was a stand-up guy, but he was a poor judge of character. And his presidential administration, um, I, I love this uh, verb, was awash in corruption. <laughs> I think that one of the failures of some stand-up guys is that they think that everybody else is as stand-up as they are. Yeah, right. I mean, you know what just, I mean? Like, yes. I think Harding probably felt that way. I think. Yes. Grant. I think lots of folks have thought, oh, well, there is good a person as I am. And then you look around the corner and you're like, uh, no. Yes. But anyway. So before the 1872 uh, presidential election, um, Grant dispatched the supervisor of the uh, Internal Revenue uh, Service, General John McDonald, to Missouri, um, because he was concerned that uh, support in Missouri for his reelection was not going well. McDonald rewarded, air quotes, rewarded Grant's trust by establishing what became known as the Whiskey Ring, which was a multiple, multiple state criminal network in which whiskey distillers, treasury and internal revenue agents, shopkeepers and others worked together by manipulating liquor taxes to defraud the federal government of some $1.5 million per year. And they is, did this. Is that $1.5 million in 1873 money? 1873 money, Nia. Okay. Okay. So we're talking. Serious coin by today's serious standards. Serious coin. Okay. Yeah. 
So in 1875, after this ring had been going on for three plus years, Treasury Secretary, okay, um, um, uh, Ben Bristow, who was a part of the conspiracy, was starting to break up the ring. Grant appoints a special prosecutor, uh, a guy by the name of John Henderson, okay? And Henderson, okay, um, led the whiskey ring as far up as Grant's personal secretary, and I love this name, Orville Babcock. Orville, okay? We do love us a name on this podcast. Yes. Grant did what Nixon did in the Saturday Night Massacre. Grant fired the special prosecutor Henderson, okay? All told, Nia, 110 various government officials, shopkeepers, whiskey distillers were indicted, okay? And convicted. 110. But Grant saved Orville Babcock. Yes, he did. His um, his personal secretary, right? He went and yeah. said, no, 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 he would never be yep, He testified on his behalf. It was like one of the last things that Grant did uh, because Grant died shortly after his second term in office. Um, and wrote, by the way, uh, just, just as a historical aside, uh, in my estimation, and according to a number of of, of scholars, one of the best presidential memoirs. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a really good memoir, um, and and it wasn't the, you know, shined on gloss of you know, hey, I'm a great person, and I did. I did the things. best things ever. Okay. You know, Grant actually, you know, you know, you know, warts and all. Okay. okay. He, yeah. Uh, and by the way, he wrote the book in part. Uh, because he had financial difficulties and he wanted to make he wanted to take care of his family, so he reached out to uh, his good friend Mark Twain, and Twain actually negotiated the publishing deal. Yes, so um, that it would benefit his his family. Yep. His family when he died. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, wow! Just think about that. One point five million dollars per year per for over three years. Jeez. You're talking about a lot of people. That's a big freezer. <laughs> you need a really big freezer for that. Okay. The, the, by the way, that's going to be the uh, the <laughs> subtitle. That's going to come after the colon in the podcast episode title. That's right. Okay. We're going to need scandals. A, We're going to need a big, need a big freezer. freezer. <laughs> if we ever do a merch line, a merchandise <laughs> line, that's, that's going to go on one of our t-shirts. <laughs> That's going to be on. We're going to need a bigger freezer. freezer. <laughs> um, it almost sounds like the 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 catchphrase in a Cone Brothers movie, right? Yeah, you it know? does. <laughs> well, and it and apparently that line in Jaws was actually made up. Like yeah. he just made it up on the spot, and it and they kept it, and it turns out to be one of the best lines in the entire movie. Yeah, we're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat because yeah. that shark is huge. Um, <laughs> Can we mention our special mentions? Oh, yes. We do have some honorable mentions. Or, they are, or dishon <laughs> dishonorable <laughs> mentions. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I want to dishonorably mention 
monkey business. I almost put monkey business as one of my mains, and then I realized I had a theme going. Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah, you, you um, certainly did. <laughs> although monkey business is is a sex scandal, and it is a stupid sex scandal. So yeah. very, very briefly, Gary Hart was running for president of the United States, and he said to reporters, see if you can catch me doing something wrong, basically. He basically went, na 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 to Okay, the so wait a minute, wait a minute. you, you got to give the context here, Nia. So Gary Hart's running for the Democratic Party nomination, I believe, in 1988, right? And he was, what, a senator from uh, Colorado. And the, the Washington scuttlebutt was Gary Hart, okay, was a serial philanderer. Right, right? counted around. Yes. So, I mean, so he was getting asked all the time. Are you okay, at, press, at press <laughs> conferences, okay, you know, who are you dating, senator? Okay. Um, now, now, Gary Hart was married. Yes, right, Okay. And, and listeners, as Nia just pointed out, Gary Hart basically said to the entire, you know, Washington press corps, okay, I dare you to, you know, find me, you know, in a compromising position, position right? And they went, challenge accepted. accepted. <laughs> And so he was on a boat, and we are not kidding you. The name of the boat is Monkey Business. Monkey Business. <laughs> You're like, really? You could, like writers, if they wrote that into a drama, somebody would say, that is totally unrealistic. We are not naming the boat Monkey Business. That's stupid. Nobody will buy that. Yeah. That is how dumb that is. Yes. And yet there he is with... Um, what was her name? Donna Rice? Donna Rice sitting on his lap yes. on that boat. <laughs> and they, they got pictures of it. They, they got, got pictures. pictures. Okay. And they didn't like, even have to work hard. Right. He okay. was up on the, on the open deck of the boat with the yeah. boat's name visible. That's the other thing. Reporters <laughs> were like, are you setting us up? Like, I mean, I'm sure they felt a little bit punked, you know? <laughs> they were being they were concerned they were being punked before you know punking like, existed yeah being punked even existed right okay. so stupid um, right, i but... also want to mention everyone in the reagan administration okay the Reagan so... administration had what like 744 indictments or something it was some like huge number <laughs> the only person who came out of the reagan administration completely clean yeah, was well, vice she... president bush Yes. Yep. Vice President Bush was not implicated in any scandals. Yes. So for but those man, you, he was the only one. So for like those of you who want who, and Regan and um, you know, Oliver uh, North and what was the general who was this? Um, you're talking about Ollie North? No, I'm talking about the uh, Hague. Oh yeah, El when Hague. President yes. was shot in Hague, was like I'm in charge, and we're like, um, that's not how the Constitution works. But in particular, folks. <laughs> Okay, for those of you who want to do a little bit more uh, background and a little bit more investigation, you got to look up IRA and Contra. Right. Okay, because the hearings were some of the first publicized or yeah. uh, um, shown on CNN. We yeah. get Watergate and then we get Iran Contra. And Iran yeah. Contra was like wall to wall coverage. Of yeah. And, 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 and what you had going on in Iran Contra is the fact that the Reagan administration wanted to support the Contras. 
um, in Nicaragua, okay, quote unquote, freedom fighters, right. <laughs> okay? But Congress refused to give money to the Reagan administration. Right. So the Reagan administration takes surplus weapons and they sell them to the Iranians, who, by the way, the Iranians, okay, held a whole bunch of Americans, over 500 Americans hostage, okay, in the late 1970s. For 444 days. days. Okay, so- And he, and if, by the way, if you're young, you might've seen the movie Argo, that's getting people out of- if, Yes. Out of Iran. Right, but yeah, right. so he directly dealt, or well, not him directly, but his administration dealt directly with our open enemy- Yes. To sell them arms, to get the money, to give to the Contras, like in direct contradiction of, of congressional will. Yeah, of congressional will, right? So, I mean, this has separation of powers. This has checks and balances. And and by the way, what all comes out, okay? In in Reagan was deposed by the special prosecutor Kenneth. Oh my Walsh, gosh! Okay. How many times did he say? I don't recall. Nearly a hundred times, yeah. and this was the first, if you will, indication that President Reagan was beginning to suffer from Alzheimer's. Right. right? He really didn't in some instances. Is, Probably yeah, he, in some instances he might have been fibbing. But he but, also was... He, he was also he, unwell. Yeah. And, and they he, did a lot of stuff around him because he... Yeah, was, he was a delegator. He basically went ahead and told a lot of his subordinates, okay, we need to support... The, yeah, we need to support the Contras. And they're like, okay, fine, Mr. President, we will. <laughs> and he wasn't a detail person, right? He wasn't like, you know, Bill Clinton, right? Where, you know, Clinton wanted to know all the details. He wasn't like Jimmy Carter, right? Right. Tell me Reagan, everything. Reagan was the CEO. And like many CEOs, he was just like, hey, if you make it happen, I don't care. Right? Right. Terrible. And they said, no. okay. Yes. But <laughs> and then, then we have last, one, our, yeah, last, our last dishonorable mention. And, and, and you and I... We've gone back and forth on this one, right? Yeah, Al Franken is hard. Yeah. Al Franken is hard. Al Franken was a comedian. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live. Um, and a lot of his jokes were political. And eventually he gets recruited to run for the United States Senate, okay, as a Democrat from the fine state of Minnesota, and he gets elected. Right. Okay? He wrote a book called Lying Liars. It, what was it? Lies and the lying liars that tell them, or something like yeah. that. It's a it, anyway. He it, he, and by all accounts, he was serious as a senator. Senator, yes. That he took that seriously. It was not a comedic thing. It's kind of like the the president of Ukraine. Yes, is, a, is an actor who played a president of Ukraine, and now he's the president of Ukraine, and he's not acting. He's not playing at it. He's being serious. And Al Franken was being serious, but Al Franken was also, um, he also was caught on in a picture pretending to put his, or no, putting his hands near a woman's breasts as if he were going to grab her. Yes. And making a stupid face when he was doing it, like, you know, tongue out and dumb grin kind of thing. And it was just at the beginning of the Me Too movement when women were starting to say, you know what, men in power need to stop treating women like this. Women power need to, men in power need to stop thinking that they can grab women, that they can touch women without their choice, right? all these things. And he, he resigned. Yes. 
He resigned from the Senate. And one of the reasons that Augie and I go back and forth on that is I think he probably could have weathered that in a different way. But I also think that the movement at that point was wildly intolerant. It was not going to. Yeah, there, there are fine distinctions at the early stages of the Me Too movement. Did not exist. Did not exist. Um, and. But, but the and, thing is, there was no trial. There was no. No, he there was, was no hearing. He was, yeah, yeah. he was tried in the court of public opinion. Yeah, well, and in particular, in the court of the Democratic Party. Right. Because it was the Democratic, you know, it was members of his own party who basically called for him to resign. Call for him to resign. I mean, the Augie and I believe truly that you are innocent until you are proven guilty of something. Yeah. I mean, the fact that there was not a, a Senate ethics hearing where, you know, evidence could have been presented. Right. Um, and they could have gone ahead and said, okay. So what was going on here? Okay, was it a stupid act? Yes. Was this a pattern? Okay, of you know Franken, you know acting um, uh, incorrectly, okay, terribly towards women. Um, you know, from what I've read, it was not a pattern. But again, you know, the Me Too movement was just like, you know, decades if not centuries of men in power treating women poorly has to end. Right. And it had built up to a point of intolerance. Like we yes. will not, there is no nuance here. Yes. You are either yeah. the yeah. good guy or the bad guy. Yeah. Al Franken was caught up in that early, the early part of that. Um, we are not, by the way, and Augie and I would like to be very clear. We do not support men abusing women we don't support women abusing men. No one in power should be should be abusing the people. No, you know, quote beneath them, right? In That's however, right. in whatever place that is, male to male, female to male, whatever. Um, none of that is acceptable. But also, leaping to judgment without any corroborating evidence without any discussion with it. We don't do that in this country. We don't look at you and say, "Well, you look guilty to me." Like, that's not how it works. No. And it shouldn't be how it works because when it works like that, people get people get railroaded and then they get lynched or they get destroyed in some way well, when and, there and, was and, no reason to do that. So we have and, to be really careful about that kind of thing. And then it gives evidence for those who are skeptical of the movement, okay, um, to go ahead and say, um, well, this movement has gone too far. Um, when the movement itself, okay, was a necessary correction for, again, years, decades, centuries of men behaving badly right. simply because they were in positions of power. I mean, you know, and again, listeners, me and I are of the, the political generation of, you know, the Clarence Thomas hearings, Right. And the allegations made by his former subordinate, Anita, Anita Hill. Right. Then we had the Clinton administration. OK, where, you know, it, it, it becomes known that we elected a president who basically from the time he took office as governor of Arkansas, 
through his time as president, basically thought a, any woman in his orbit was a potential bedmate, right? Okay, we already talked about, you know, in this podcast episode, Ted Kennedy, right? I mean, even after Chappaquiddick, Ted Kennedy's womanizing did not end. It didn't okay. end until the day he died. Okay, I mean, so, you know, um, uh, you know, Strom Thurmond, right? You know, I'm an upright Southern senator, okay, who doesn't believe that the races should intermingle, except for when I was 22, okay? And, and, the, and, the, and the domestic servant in our house was hot. Yeah, okay. Right. I mean, you know, this kind of ex exceptionalism for men in power, okay, um, what, what is BS. That, okay, is bullshit, right? I'm right. sorry, okay? But in the but by the same token, by the flip of that, men in power still deserve to have a hearing. They yes. still deserve to have like if we just decide that that we're not going to give people a fair hearing, then I don't know how we how we function as a society. We need uh, just an accusation is not enough. I need to have. A, a a reasonable you know hearing on this and then if they are found guilty punish them and we need to fix the system such that they are that they can be found guilty which we are yeah. seeing now yeah. Harvey Weinstein went to prison yeah Jeffrey Epstein went to prison people are going to prison and yeah. they should be um, yep. I'm not entirely sure that what Al Franken did rose to the level of and he should not be a senator yeah Considering so. the the work that he did for Minnesota, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. we'll never know because. Yep, he stepped down, and yep. And we we didn't mention here a scandal that is currently potentially in the making. Yes, because we are not Nostradamus, and we cannot predict predict where this is going. Although that would be really cool, because then we could win the lottery. But <laughs> um, what we're talking that about is the judiciary, and it's. Like, as we are recording, people are starting to say, hey, shouldn't there be ethics rules for justices and judges? And that's starting to be a discussion. Yes. And so um, years from now, people will look back and it will be like the teapot or it'll be like other things where they will say yeah, all of these factors. And more than likely, listeners will probably have uh, an episode uh, later this year where we will go ahead and discuss. Because as Nia just pointed out, it's just starting. Um, right. So, but anyways, Nia, this is a great episode. Um, uh, not great in the fact that we got to discuss <laughs> all these foibles, um, but, um, uh, but it also shows that scandals happen every so often in the in politics, and it's not about one generation. And also, if you think that what you're living through is the worst scandal ever. We would like to have a discussion with you. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Because there's always a bigger, better one, either in the past or just around the corner. The corner, yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Nia. Thank you, Augie. <laughs>
Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.